Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com. All right, so let's start with miracle number one. (laughs) We're going to talk about how Jesus turned water into wine. That's the very first miracle in the book of John. We're going to read the whole thing. And I'm just trusting that I'll be louder than your laughter and drunkenness. That's what I'm trusting. So, hallelujah. I, I preached myself happy in the first gathering, so we'll see what happens. Here's the deal. This actually happened. Say it actually happened. Some people read this stuff and they're like, oh, that's, yeah, one of them Bible stories. All right? One of those Bible parables. You know? I've actually heard, you know the parable of water into wine? I've heard that from a microphone. I've heard that. And I wanted to like, yeah, ah, come on. It's not a, it actually happened. It really happened. We're going to look at it, okay? So let me read you this and let it make you happy. Come on, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. That's the whole kingdom. Listen to this. John 2, verse 1 through 11. I'm going to read it out of the Passion Translation. We have it for you on the screen. Now on the third day, dramatic pause. Now on the third day, there was a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet, but with so many guests in attendance, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to him and asked, they have no wine. Can't you do something about it? Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. I just have this feeling that Jesus has done this before for mama on a few hard days. My wife's a mom, and if I, I, you know, I would if, you know, anyway, okay. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Jesus replied, my dear one, because when it says woman, the word there in the Greek is my dear woman. It's not woman. It's my dear one. Last thing Jesus said before, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, was, John, here is your mother. He gave his most prized possession to John and said, and he took her into her house. So Jesus was not sassing his mama, okay? Jesus replied, my dear one, don't you understand that if I do this, it won't change anything for you, but it will change everything for me. My hour of unveiling my power has not yet come. Mary didn't seem to care and went to the servers and told them, whatever Jesus tells you, make sure that you do it. Now, there were six stone water pots standing nearby. They were meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Each one held about 20 gallons or more. Jesus came to the servers and told them, fill the pots with water right up to the very brim. Then he said, now fill your pitchers and take them to the master of the ceremonies. And when they poured out their pitcher for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. Say, that really happened. Come on, that's a statement of belief. When he tasted the water that became wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed. Although he didn't know where the wine had come from, but the servers knew. Meaning the servers are freaking out. Like, that was water when we were over there. No, what? And he called the bridegroom over and said to him, every host serves his best wine first until everyone has had a cup or two. Then he serves the wine of poor quality. But you, my friend, you've reserved the most exquisite wine until now, the best for last. Amen. 
This miracle in Cana was the first of the many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee. This was a sign revealing his glory and his disciples believed in him. The miracles of God, his body, his miraculous body reveal the glory of God and build a highway for belief. There's this idea that we don't need that. We, we don't need holy divine healing. We have the Holy Scriptures. And the Holy Scriptures command that you need it. <laughs> holy Scriptures command that it's not just a side issue. It's necessary. It's actually the main issue of what it means to lead people to God. Later in John 14, earlier that verse I read in verse 12, 13 there, it actually goes on to say, and thus you will reveal my Father's glory. This is how we reveal the glory of the Father, is the miraculous. You cannot reveal the Father's glory without miracles. You can try and you can make a really nice presentation and three points in a poem and a really strategic ser sermon series, but until you have the actual miracles, his glory is not unveiled. It's not revealed. No one actually sees it. They hear about it, but they don't encounter it. Without miracles, all we can do is talk about the glory of God. But with miracles, we get a path to discover it for ourselves. We get to touch it. It's important. So I've read this story many times. It's a very famous story, kind of a big deal, you know. Uh, this story everybody knows. You know, you've seen that meme where it says water at the grocery store, and there's a bottle of wine that says Jesus was here, you know. It's hilarious. There's a, there's a wine bottle on the water rack, and it says Jesus was here. It's a famous, famous story. But I don't know about you, I don't know nothing. <laughs> I know Christ and him crucified. And beyond that, I, I need to learn. Hello? So what I'm saying is if you're overly familiar with Scripture, you'll also shut down the flow of the miraculous. Just like they were overly familiar with the Word made flesh in his hometown, and he could not do many mighty miracles there. So over-familiarity with a text actually stops the flow of the miraculous. So let's not be overly familiar. Let's look at this thing and go, I have never even heard of such a thing. And I did that. I did that this week. And I found some awesome pictures. Because when God speaks, he speaks in picture. All right? The language of God is not Greek or Hebrew or tongues. <laughs> it's picture. Amen? God always is painting pictures. I said this in the first, but feel it now too. That some of you feel like you're distracted by images in your head, even in church. But God is actually trying to speak to you, and you should draw them out. Like, reverence is following the voice of the Lord, okay? It's okay if you only hear a couple things I say. It's not okay if you miss what he's saying. So you might feel like spiritual ADD going on or whatever, like you just have these pictures in your head. He might be telling you to write down the vision you see. I hope my preaching takes you into a vision of the Lord. Hallelujah. You don't need a vision of me. I mean, my hair is kind of cool, whatever, but you just... I got this beard and this long hair thing, but the, I am not the vision of Jesus you are looking for, okay? <laughs> Hallelujah is right. I dug into this thing again, and I just said, Lord, speak to me afresh about this, this miracle. And I found some awesome stuff. You want to hear it? Okay. So there was a wedding on the third day. That one for me is kind of obvious, but it's awesome. At the same time, this points to the third day resurrection of Christ. The wine comes on the third day. The wine is poured out by the Holy Spirit because of the third day. Yes, he defeated death through his resurrection. He didn't defeat death by dying. He defeated death through his resurrection. Hello? And that's where all the joy, that's the fountain of the lamb near the springs of En Gedi. That is 
the joy spring, our resurrection. Come on, we're third day believers. Listen, we know nothing but Christ and Him crucified, but you can't stick on the first day. Good Friday is good for Friday. That's it. You need to go into Saturday and Sunday and let Him stand up on the inside of you and stop lamenting your sin and start beholding the Son because you are resurrected with Him. Okay, back to my notes. So this was the third day. That means it was a Tuesday, okay? Hebrew weddings were on a Tuesday because it's the day that God actually said in Genesis chapter 1 was good twice. Genesis chapter 1, verse 10 and 12, he speaks of the same day as good. He says it was good, and then he says, and it was good. He says it was good twice for this day. So it was doubly good, and the Hebrews had enough sense to go, okay, that's when we should have weddings, on the double good day, right? That's why you like Tuesday twice as much as Monday, you know what I mean? That's because... <laughs> I'm just that was a joke anyway so this is why they did it and this is the the day of the week and everything and weddings usually last three to seven days so water or wine running out on the first day of the wedding is actually kind of an embarrassment for the bridegroom you understand and the bridegroom just got credit for something he didn't do doesn't even know how it happened <laughs> come on Mary, I, I just, I don't have like scripture or scholarly work for this, but I actually think this was one of Mary's relatives or dear friends. It's her wedding. And she begs Jesus because she wanted to cover the sin of not preparing well. She wanted to cover the sin of her friend. She wanted to cover it because love covers a multitude of sin. It doesn't expose and laugh and go, ha ha, you're getting judged. It says, I'm going to do whatever I can to cover the fact that we got three to seven days left of a party and no wine. That's just my conviction. That's Caleb's opinion. Say Caleb's opinion. I'll say it better. Caleb's opinion. That's how I stay out of like heresyville there. That's my opinion. People are like, Caleb said. No, that was his opinion. Yeah. Everybody preaches their opinion. I just tell you when I do. All right. That's all I'm saying. All right. <laughs> You'll get it later. It's fine. So. It says the <laughs> wedding was in a village at Cana, okay? Now, this word Cana actually means land of reeds, land of reeds. And this word reeds is actually a biblical motif for the frailty and weakness in the nature of man, okay? So in the place of the land of reeds, the fragile place, he takes stony pots and gives them strength. Come on. I told you it's pictures. Are you guys okay? Let's just drop into some revelation here. It says that it was in the land of reeds, the land of frailty, the land of human weakness, the nature of human's weakness. That's where God decided to give them wine instead of water. The joy of the Lord is your what? Yeah, that's Nehemiah 8.10, by the way. And the beginning of that verse says, drink the sweet wine, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. It's commanded in Scripture that you drink wine. <laughs> rumble, weird rumble, weird rumble. All right. <laughs> Here's the thing the Lord was speaking to me about. In the place where we are most fragile and where our hearts are most hardened, he changes what we carry. He changed water into wine inside six, six stone water parts in the land of fragility. Where we're most fragile and our hearts are most hardened, that's where he wants to change what you carry. 
When he changes what we carry, we become a people strengthened, a people of strength, a people of praise instead of frailness. You know when it says um, in Psalms 8, it says that out of the mouths of babes, you've established praise. Yeah? Yeah? Well, Jesus said it this way. Out of the mouths of babes, you have established strength. Now, either the word made flesh misquoted the word, or he was translating what praise does. <laughs> out of the mouths of babes, you must become like little children and just praise the Lord. That's where strength comes. You praise him because you're thankful, right? Because you received strength. Say, thank you, Lord, for the strength. That's the joy of the Lord. When he changes what we carry, we become a vessel of majesty instead of monotonous rituals. Come on. These are water pots. They were used for the ritual washing. We'll get to that in just a minute. So I'm just going through the pictures. Is that okay? So that's, that's amazing to me, the village of Cana land of reeds now when it says they ran out of wine tradition let me tell you this tradition and ritual will always run out of wine i'm not anti-ritual i'm not anti-tradition okay we believe in the sacraments we holy communion prayer we believe we we're into it okay but they aren't your source of joy if you're praying to be filled up You need to pray believing statements of yourself that he filled you with the whole fullness of God. Are you, he's your source, not your study habit. Not your quiet time. Your source is a person. Not a moment in your day. Oh, I'm feeling this way because I didn't have my, my quiet time this morning. You're connected to the very source of all time. What are you talking about? <laughs> all right. Tradition and ritual always has a limited amount of joy. Even those who do religious rituals don't enjoy them. <laughs> Even the ones officiated are like, oh, I can't wait for this to be over. You know? I know that because I used to be that guy. I used to lead worship in those places and go, cannot wait for this worship set to be over. I'm the one leading worship. I'm like, oh, I cannot wait for this to end. With three songs left. Ugh. And now it's like, it's over. Why? Why? You know? Saturday nights, March. Come on. Come on. All right. Listen, I see actually the parallel between Moses and Jesus. Because do you remember Moses actually turned the Nile into blood? Turned water into blood as a judgment against Egypt. But Jesus turns water into wine for the people of Egypt. <laughs> Not as judgment against them, but as joy for them. That's the new covenant you're living in. Come on, it's better than you think, so change the way you think. All right, I got to keep going. Really fast. Six stone water parts. Six is the number of man. Hello? Amen? Six, six, six is man, oh man, oh man. The mind, the will, the emotions of man. Let me help you. That's the mark. It's the way you think, act, and feel without God. Oh, man. I should not share that. <laughs> By the way, I'm not listening to you right now. I'm, I'm checking. Hold on. 
You can shout all you want, but I'm not actually listening to you. Oh, man. Okay, I am going to say it. I'm going to say it quick and leave it alone. Before you were in Christ, you had the mark of the beast. You had the thoughts of man outside of relationship with God. You had the action of man outside of relationship with God. You had the broken emotional state of man outside of relationship with God. But when you came into Christ, he put a new mark on your forehead, the mark of Christ. And your job is not to fight the Antichrist, hashtag not in the Bible. The Antichrist, not in the Bible. Spirit of Antichrist. There is no the Antichrist. It's not there. Find it. Come back. It's in the book of opinions, chapter 2, verse 3. There is no the Antichrist. There's only your Antichrist way of thinking. There's only your opposing the anointing way of acting. Antichrist is anti-anointing. It's only your broken emotions that cannot carry the anointed emotions of the Lord. That's why you need to be healed. <laughs> Moving on. Jesus was not a carpenter, by the way. This is... Totally, I'm just left turning hard, so I get out of trouble. Jesus was not a carpenter. The word in the Greek for carpenter is the Greek word for stone worker. It can be translated either way. I've been to Israel seven or eight, eight times, and they all tell me every time I ask them, I go to Nazareth, I ask them, was Jesus a carpenter? They're like, why do you Westerners think that? They're like, we do, we do stone. Stone is what we do. Have you been to Nazareth? It's rocky and hilly. There's stone everywhere. So either Jesus owned the monopoly on the woodworking shop in Nazareth and is the exception to the cultural rule, or it's the other translation of that Greek word, which is stoneworker. And guess what? He's actually the cornerstone. He's actually, get this, building a temple of living stones neatly fitted together. <laughs> and he took stone water pots. And transform their innards. <laughs> He's still a stone worker. He changed your heart of stone for the heart of flesh. Your insides, what you carry. Ah, Abraham, it's fine. Just get wrecked, bro. He's holding it back right now. He's. You have permission, Abraham. He's, he's being respectful right now. You, you need a, we need a little bit more offensive joy in here. That's what I, offensive joy. <laughs> Listen, the stone water pots, that's why I have a microphone. I can be louder than him, okay? The stone water pots were used for ritual washings, okay? So it would be their baptism. They would wash their hands before they go in the temple. They would give us clean hands, give us pure hearts before we go to the temple, right? That's an old covenant, unbelieving prayer. He already gave you clean hands and a pure heart. That's what happened. I'm going to prove it to you. So they would wash their hands. So Jesus changed the use of the washing ritual pots in a very specific way. Get this, man. They went from taking somebody's dirt. They went from receiving something from those who are dirty to giving to those who are in need. The old covenant is about coming to the Lord and getting cleaned up. 
The new covenant is about the Lord coming to you and giving you strength. While we were yet sinners, God died. Christ died for the ungodly. We still got old covenant paradigms in the church where we like, get them in here. Just invite them to church. Get them cleaned up. I've said that. Have you said that? Anyone said that? Come on. Am I the only one who said that? Oh, okay, good. Get, let's get them cleaned up. It's cleaned up. No, you go give them what you got. We're not taking from the world. We're giving to the world. It's better to give than receive even their dirt. Come on. They went from taking the people's dirt to giving the people joy, wine. When we were, I wrote this, when we're only wanting people to come to us to give us their stuff so we can clean them up, we're operating more in line with the ministry of condemnation and the law than the new covenant. We're not called to take from people, even their dirt and filth. We're called to give to people a new life and let it change them from the inside out. The law is always outside in. Love is always inside out. I have three more major points to do in two minutes. So I'm going to go very quickly. Each pot held about 20 gallons. I, I looked that up because I was like, okay, 20 gallons. Everything in my Bible is important. I don't know about your Bible, but everything, every word in my Bible is important. I look up these things, all right? So I looked up the 20 gallons thing, and I actually found out that the average human being who drinks more than 20 gallons of water a day is at risk for something called, get this, water intoxication. Water intoxication. Cheers. Water intoxication. He filled them up. 20 gallons. It says 20 gallons. It specifically says that. Like, I thought that was important. And so the kidneys can handle between 20 and 28 gallons a day, depending on the person. But above 20 gallons is where scientifically they're concerned. You know, like sports athletes and soldiers who overhydrate, that's where they start to get concerned. They monitor these things, okay? So we're meant for a different kind of intoxication <laughs> than water intoxication. All right? And water intoxication can actually lead to death. And let me just give you the revelation real quick. Jump to the end here. You getting the water of the word over and over and over and over and over and over and keeping it in your pot will kill you. That's why people can go to church for 30 years and hear the word preached and be mean old cusses. Because they've yet to make the transition from receiving to giving. They've yet to become a water pot that pours out. Because it says, when they poured out the pitcher, the water became wine. It's in the pouring. It's in the pouring. It's in the pouring. It's in the pouring. Listen, you can have all the knowledge of the truth in the world, but until you give it away... In order to strengthen, encourage, and bless someone else, it's only so much water. Knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. The devil can quote the whole Bible if he wanted to. He's had a lot of time to study it. Been written for a while. I don't care how much scripture you can quote. I care that your life becomes a living epistle, read for all men. Water, wine. It becomes wine in the pouring. Lord, give me the wine of the Spirit. Go serve somebody. You'll find it. Lord, give me joy in my giving. Go give. He'll give you the joy. I just don't feel like a joyful giver. Well, it's because you never give. 
That was a good word right there. Okay, I brought my own encouragement. It's okay. So our revelation of the truth becomes an intoxicating depth of joy when we become those who pour ourselves out. Paul said, if I be poured out like a drink offering, that's your call. Listen, and he saved the best wine for last. I'm going to make it through my points. Hallelujah. Listen, this is crazy. They estimate that Jesus made in that moment, because it really happened. Say it really happened. In case you forgot, it really happened. Jesus made 120 to 150 gallons of wine. That's a lot of wine. Wait, wait, wait. It gets better. He made almost 150 gallons of wine for people who are already drunk. That would not fly in most of our communion services. Not okay, Jesus. They've had enough. Look at them. They totally had enough. People look at Abraham and say, he's had enough. And God says, oh, not nearly. <laughs> 150 gallons? Can you think about that? 150 gallons of wine? Has anyone ever purchased 150? Don't raise your hand. All right, don't raise your hand. <laughs> Listen, God delights in you having more joy than you can possibly handle. The best is always yet to come. That's why we sing, if it's not good, then it's not over. All right? Come on. He saves the best for last. All right, let me tie a bow on this. On the third day, the ordinary became extraordinary. Water pots used for ritual washing became vessels of joy and celebration. They brought the party. All right? Listen, you know, like, people don't come to church because it's boring. There was a time there where I didn't want to go to church because I was bored and I worked there. I'd much rather be in a Bucks game, you know? No matter how badly they lose, that's still more exciting sometimes than some churches I've been in. Come on. If the shoe fits, just kick it off. It's fine. So the reality of our situation needs to be celebrating and having so much joy, having such a good time that the world goes, what is in that pot? What is in there? Can, 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 can I, I have some? Yes, you can. <laughs> Join our drinking party every Sunday morning. It's not even 9 a.m. in the morning. These people are already drunk. Not as you would suppose. The only hangover this one has is patience. Haha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Hurt me too, bro. It's fine. I tell people like intercessors who are really mean and stuff, they come out of the prayer closet meaner than they went in. I say, go back in and ask for someone else. Phone a friend. You go to a worship gathering, you go to church, and then you go to dinner and you're mean to the waitress. You must have been worshiping you. Because you certainly don't look like him. Proximity always produces passion. The passions of your heart will tell me how close you are to whoever you are, whoever you're close to. Notes. Listen, here's the deal. There's always more joy on the other side of your giving, the other side of your obedience when he says, pour yourself out. It's, a, it's in the pouring. It doesn't matter how full we are of the water of the word. Ephesians 5 says the, water of the, wa the washing of the water of the word, right? It doesn't matter how full we are of the water of the word. If we never pour it out, it will, be, it will never become a miraculous drink for others. 
We'll never do the mighty works that Jesus did if we think all we are is receivers. Your first job, the first miracle is to give. If we're going to be a body of miracles, it has to start with us changing what we carry by obeying the Lord and pouring it out. Did you hear what I said? I'm going to read it again. If we're going to be a body of miracles, it starts with us changing what we carry by, here's the process, obeying the Lord and pouring it out. Okay? It's about giving when he says to give. That's why you need to get in a community collective. That's why you need to practice hearing the voice of God. That's why you need to discern the word of the Lord. All right? Because I've done it. I've given outside of God's timing, and I made myself impoverished. I've done that because it wasn't the Lord saying to do it. I gave out of lack instead of abundance. But when he speaks, he creates the capacity to carry the call he gives you. So, do you hear that? When he speaks, he creates the capacity to carry the call that he gives you. So if he tells you to give it, it doesn't matter what the bank account says. It doesn't matter. Some of you have so many testimonies about this. It's so true. Okay, and last thing. If you are thinking to yourself, well, God told me to give to this person, but they already, they seem okay. They seem like they have enough. Or they've definitely had a little too much to drink. If God says give, it doesn't matter the state of the receiver. It matters the state of the giver. <laughs> Amen. All right, all you stone water pots. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something I didn't know I was going to say, but, oh, I don't want to say it. That's why this is definitely the Lord. I can feel it. Now, let me help you. When you don't want to say it and it doesn't sound like your idea, but you know it's true, it's probably God. One thing we're going to have to start doing until we buy that 17 acres that we're believing God for. Just going to keep saying it. Until we buy that acres while we figure this out, if you go to one, you might need to give your chair to someone else. I love the double dippers, but we're going to become stone water pots who pour out. Someone needs your parking spot to encounter Jesus. Someone needs your chair to encounter the Lord. We're doing everything we can around here. I got all the chairs out I can get. <laughs> got carpet space. All right? Just saying. Pray about it. Ask the Lord. Follow the voice of the Lord. If you need to be here all day, be here all day. Hallelujah. Are you hear what I'm saying? But some of you need to pour out. Some of you have received and now you need to give. Some of you aren't on serve teams and you know you're supposed to be. I'm not coming to you from a place of like lack and need and oh, please help me. It's going to be fine. Me and Gigi, me, I could get my guitar, handle this whole thing. All right? I don't need you to serve. You need you to serve. I don't need something from you. You need to begin to pour out. Or else you get the wrong kind of intoxication. Water intoxication instead of wine. Amen? So just pray about that. Thank you for listening to this podcast from The Resting Place Tampa. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you've heard. For more resources like this, check out trptampa.com.